Hello, my friends. You are listening to the Shine at Work podcast, formerly known as Getting Off the Hamster Wheel. I'm your host, Karen Weeks. I'm a transformational career coach who helps career-oriented humans get unstuck and find and be successful in careers that bring them joy, fulfillment, and success. I believe you should actually love what you do, even on the bad days, that you can find a career that lights you up because, spoiler alert, it impacts how bright you shine in your whole life. Every week, I talk to someone who felt stuck in their job and found a way to build a career that was right for them, because I know how that feels when your light is dim. I made a career change from theater to HR and now coaching, and at times in my life, I've had to look inside to see what was important, what made me shine bright, and make adjustments along the way. It's possible. I did it, my guests did it, and I help others do it. I hope you walk away from each episode, not just inspired, but with some actionable advice. And I hope you find it so valuable that you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and tell your friends, because we all deserve to shine bright in our lives, specifically at work. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. One quick announcement before we jump into this week's episode. I want to chat with all you managers listening out there today, or those HR partners who work with managers. This September, I'm starting the next cohorts for my two manager group programs. No matter where you are in your management journey, I'm here to help. My new manager transformation program runs for 90 days starting mid-September. With weekly training modules and worksheets, we will meet as a group to discuss key manager skills like hiring, giving feedback, driving results through others, and managing up. We will also do on-the-spot coaching for your current challenges that week, and we'll have one-on-one sessions during the program. You will go from rockstar individual contributor to results-driven, people-focused manager. And for those of you who have been managers for a little while, I know you come across challenges that you have not experienced before and are working to get to that next step in your leadership career. So for six months, we'll meet as a group every other week to work through your current challenges and talk through advanced level management skills like strategic thinking and planning and leading through change. We'll also have monthly one-on-one sessions to tackle your tough management challenges and fast-track your next step into leadership. Let's connect directly to chat more about how we can work together on your management transformation and help you shine as a leader. Email me directly at karen at karendweeks.com to talk more. Now onto our regularly scheduled programming. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to introduce you to Bo today. Uh, We have connected a couple different times over LinkedIn and some of those platforms, but never really gotten a chance to chat. So I'm really excited to share his story. So Bo, I'm going to let you introduce yourself first, and then we'll get things started. Excellent. Thank you, Karen. I really appreciate it. And it's so awesome to be here on your show. Uh, I'm excited. My name is Bo Brabo. I'm the CEO, founder of Hale Media Group and the Brabo Center of Excellence, where we set out to develop leaders uh, in human resources, build their business acumen, all based on my 30 plus years of experience and the team that we've put together to do that. Uh, so, so that's what we're doing today. I have a I have a long journey, if you will, to this point um, that started really early uh, early on uh, in teenage years, junior in high school, joined the Army National Guard, um, took that through undergrad and then on to active duty. 20 years later, I retired, joined corporate America, and I had an interesting stop in there as an active duty soldier. Uh, mm-hmm. I spent uh, the last eight years at the White House, um, which was pretty unique, if you will. Not many yeah. people get that opportunity, so I feel very blessed to have had that, uh, and I look forward to talking about it. 
Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting because there's so many reasons why people join the military early in their life. Mm -hmm. um, and then do they actually turn it into a career? And then how do they use that in the private sector or whatever they do after? So I'm um, excited to join to, to dive in. So, so talk a little bit about, um, as you feel comfortable, what sort of yeah. led you to the military to begin with? Uh, I really, when I go back, cause I was 17 years old and wow. I had, uh, my dad was in the Navy. My, both of my grandfathers were in mm. the army during World War II, my dad during Vietnam. And we had a, it, you know, it was an interesting day and I remember it to, you know, like it was yesterday, but back in, my gosh, I'm dating myself like 1985, <laughs> uh, 85, 86, we had career day mm -hmm. and we get all these different types of professionals come to your high school and, and you sign up for what, who you want to go listen to. And they're mm -hmm. giving their speech about what they do in their career. And we had the army recruiters there and they filled our school library. And I tell you, it was the most jam packed session. It had the <laughs> most people attending. And I don't even remember their stories exactly, but they had me hooked. And wow. uh, it was within a couple of weeks, I was sitting in their, their actual office and they had a program back then. I, I have no idea if they still do it today, but they called it split option training where they let you go to boot camp literally right after you finish your junior year of high school. So in between junior and senior wow. year. So that's what I did. And then, uh, then during the senior year of high school, it was uh, once a month, you know, National Guard, once mm -hmm. a month training. And then I went to my advanced training after I graduated and then on to college and just wow. kept doing my, my service time while I was going to college um, and so forth. And thankfully, at that point in time, there were no wars going on. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to deploy or anything. So I did my one weekend a month, two weeks in the summer. It's just amazing how that all started. <laughs> Well, and it's so interesting because sometimes when you're in the thick of it, you just kind of keep going and keep mm -hmm. doing the thing, whether that is, you know, something within the military or even just our jobs. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden you look back and you go, oh, that was just five years and here I am already. I um, so sometimes it just is like get up and rinse and repeat and you sort of lose track of time. You absolutely do. I would agree with that completely. And so, especially when you were going to college at the same time, did you, did you ever think about either, you know, just doing it on a, I mean, I guess it's always volunteer, but sort of like on the side versus as your career and like go do yeah. something else first. Yeah, no. And that's exactly, that's exactly what I did. So mm -hmm. I, I finished college and I went out and started working mm -hmm. and, and then, oh, I wasn't in the workforce, but for oh, probably it was, it was a couple of years and, uh, my, my commitment with the National Guard ended. Mm -hmm. And then when that commitment ended, it was literally less than nine months I went on active duty because I had about a nine month break there and I really missed wearing the uniform. But, wow. but based on kind of what you just said, um, I said, you know, it was always uh, a challenge um, working full time yeah, and then getting time away from your employer to do your National Guard duties. Mm -hmm. It was just it just always seemed to be um, a little bit chaotic. So yeah. I said, okay, now I'm going on active duty. I'm going to wow. do the Army thing full time, and that's what I did. And that was um, then 20 years later. Um, like you said, 20 years went by just like yeah. that, and I was retiring. Oh my gosh. And yeah. did you hold um, certain roles within the military that specifically stand out to you? I'm sure you're proud of yeah. all of it, but like that you actually ended up setting you up for things in the future. Oh, there absolutely were. And I love telling the story because it's about networking. And there was a specific job one day. Um, I was, I was working, I was, had always been in human resources. That was my, that was my mm -hmm. skill set or my trade in the army. And I got a phone call one day um, from an individual who is now 
a dear friend of mine 25 years later. Wow. And, and he recruited me into this special unit inside of the army. And I, and I, I use this even in coaching today because I had this tendency like to listen to the opportunity and not just dismiss it, but I said, yes. Mm. And that opportunity was really the turning point for me and what it set up the opportunities it further set up for me going forward. Mm. Um, it was the job where I had my first top secret security clearance for the government oh. that led me to meet the individual that actually recruited me to go to the white house. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, it just, that, that was the first experience for me inside of the army. And this is way before things like LinkedIn were ever created, yeah. <laughs> right? Where networking was on full display. So yeah. even inside the military, I was making those connections yeah. and you're working and you're performing and then somebody leaves and they go to a different assignment. And next thing you know, they're calling you, getting you to that assignment to work with them again. <laughs> and I kid you not, Karen, that person um, that I met in that first assignment, he went on to work at the White House. Mm -hmm. And then he was the one that recruited me to go there. Oh my gosh. And then eventually I had left the White House for a few years, went to Germany, deployed to Iraq. Mm. And then he recruited me to come back and I replaced him. So oh my where gosh. he was my boss, now I went back and took that position <laughs> and I was in charge of the HR department. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, that was a pivotal point. Yeah. Um, I write about that in my book because it was just when you're thinking about keeping an open mind, you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what tomorrow brings. Sometimes when you when you stay open and you have the right mindset, you know, things pop up because you'll just see things differently. Yes. And uh, could create the opportunity that just keeps creating more opportunity. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's so funny because everybody always jokes like in the dating world, if you stop looking for the perfect soulmate, that person yep. ends up walking in the room because you've sort yeah. of cleared your mind to be more open to things. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's a great analogy for sure. Uh, well, and it's so funny because especially as someone who has spent so long in HR, you sort of forget that these organizations are places of work. So the right. military, the White House, I never would have even thought about HR for those kinds of organizations. Yeah. How did you sort of get into HR for the military? Well, that was, you know, that literally goes back to sitting in that recruiter's office at age wow. 17 because- Back then, no internet. So they literally, the regulations were just thick books of mm. stuff. And you're sitting down and you're going through and they're having that conversation. They're interviewing you just like you're doing now. It's like, well, what do, what do you want to do with your life? What do you think you want to, you know, what type of job do you want to have? And you start mm -hmm. talking. And uh, I literally said, I want to get into business. And I said, business administration. Hmm. And he's flipping the book. He's like, I don't think we have business. And um <laughs> He came to this point in the book and he was probably thinking of it in his mind. And back then it wasn't called HR, it was called yeah. personnel, yeah. right? So it was personnel administration specialist. That was the duty title. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, administration, that sounds right. I, can't, I mean, literally, that's exactly how it happened. Wow. And I, I signed the dotted line. I was only 17, I was a minor. So my parents had to agree mm -hmm. and I went to training to be a personnel administration specialist, wow. which is an HR specialist. <laughs> and it's, and I liked it and it stuck. Yeah. And you know, my gosh, 34 years later, I'm <laughs> still in HR. That is such a great story. I love it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, and so as you were going through the military, you mentioned you went to the white house and they went back to active duty and then back to the white house again. For those of us who are unfamiliar with how assignments happen, how much of that is in your control and you're purposeful about it? And how much of it is the military says we need you here. And so you have to go there. Yeah, it's actually a little bit of both. So even mm. at the White House, the White House has, um, it was still active duty time. Okay. The, the White House military office, 
um, supports the the president because the president is the commander in chief, mm-hmm. right? So you have this specific role from a military perspective, and mm. you know there are there are thirteen different organizations fall under the White House military office, and ours wow. that I was part of was communications, and that was a thousand people alone. Oh my gosh. Um, it's a big, it's a big operation. So what's public that you see all the time is like Air Force One flying around. That's mm-hmm. so that's the Air Force, mm-hmm. um, the the helicopters, you know, Marine Corps Squadron One, mm-hmm. HMX. Uh, that's the Marine Corps, and then you have the communication side, which is one of us, one of the departments, and we were a mix of Army, Navy, Air Force, wow. Marine Corps. So just like us talking, every time the president stands up to a microphone to talk, um, that's a military team actually making that communication happen. Oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, so it was it was um it was still military time for me, active duty assignment, but inside of the military as a whole, you have we'll just keep it civilian talk. <laughs> you have this great big organization that sits in Kentucky. They're called mm-hmm. the Army Human Resources Command and there are hundreds of people and they're assignment managers and they say, "Karen, you've been You've been in Texas for three years. It's time to move you. We have a position in Germany and you're going to go to Germany. Wow. They give you a set of orders and you pack up, take your family, you go to Germany. Wow. Um, But then you have, it's really awesome. You have opportunities within the military, like the White House, where Mm -hmm. because of all the security requirements to get in, those HR managers are not allowed to just assign people there. Mm. So it becomes one of those voluntary type of organizations and you have to compete for it. Wow. Um, just like you're competing for a job with mm-hmm. IBM or Google or anybody else. It's, it's like it's internal co- competition to get yeah. those great assignments. Um, yeah. And I was fortunate to get it. That's amazing. And yeah. was it uh, thinking about, for specific career moves, like as you were thinking about longer term, or was it more, you know, for my family, I want to know we're sort of at home base for a little bit, or what was driving some of those decisions for you? Yeah, you have great questions, because it's really all all of the above. (laughs) Um, It's the same type of thing, but 100% career move, right? Mm. It was, um, and it worked, and it worked from that perspective. Yeah, great. Those special assignments are great for career opportunity, promotion, uh, and so forth. And, and of course it offered stability. Um, for sure. So I ended up really the last eight years of my active duty time was in that, was in that job or in that location. So hundred percent stability, which a lot of, a lot of military families don't get and they're on the go every couple of years. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's so interesting too, because, um, I know there's a lot of conversation, uh, amongst folks about, you know, if you take a a role within the white house or within the government, Mm -hmm. it is not politicized because as the military, you're still the military. And Mm -hmm. so when you were thinking about what you were hoping it was going to lead to, was there something that you had in mind? Was it more aligned with some of the things that the white house was doing, even though it's not political, or was it more about the steps where you want to take your career, you know, sort of as an individual? I think it was, um, it's a hundred, in my experience, in my time, it was absolutely not politicized from what the, what we were doing and our Mm -hmm. responsibilities were. I write a lot about that. And it's the whole reason I wrote my book is how Mm -hmm. do you, because I, I transitioned between I started under president Bush and then Mm -hmm. finished up with president Obama and still led teams you know, providing the support to the president, regardless of whether they were yeah. Republican or Democrat. Absolutely. And our teams had to do that to the best of our ability. Yeah. So how, how do you do that? Well, it's totally non-politicized. Um, so I think from the perspective of the, the opportunity, number one, to, to work directly for 
the most powerful office. Sure. The- <laughs> That's big. Um, not that you don't think about it, but of course, you know, in your mind that, wow, this is going to look really great. On yeah. resume, right. <laughs> um, and, and the leadership opportunities yeah. uh, and to be, and if, you know, when you're successful in that environment, it's, it's, um, it's really high stakes, yeah. high stakes leadership all the time. Yeah. Um, we called it a zero defect environment. Mm. Um, cause zero, zero defect, you know, a teleprompter glass, uh, falling off of the stand when the president's speaking and that's yeah. happened before. It's not that, you know, the president might laugh, but actually it could be the world laughing at the president. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The yeah. team didn't, you know, make sure it was tightened down, whatever the case might be. So yeah. the littlest of things become really big things really quick. Yeah. Uh, so it was all of that combined. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I look back and like, man, that kind of set the stage for everything that we're doing after that time. I was going to say, if you can handle the, the stress and the spotlight of a role that has that kind of influence or that kind of uh, public nature to it, mm-hmm. uh, and then move into corporate or help other leaders build their leadership skills, I would imagine you could say, look, <laughs> this is the stress yeah. we were under. Yeah. I got it, but you can handle this. And let me tell you how. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the things like, you know, there was one time I, you know, I had, um, it was just me and President Obama sitting in an office in Denver doing, doing interviews on the, on the radio through this equipment we had set up with him. It's just me and him. And um, I took that experience. I'm like, I can sit there with the president of the United States and work and not have any issue. And then someone in corporate world say, Hey, you're going to have to brief the board of directors. Like, okay, I got it. Right. (laughs) Who are they? I can handle it. Yeah. So, I mean, you think about not just from a capability, but a confidence, Yes. not arrogance, but just the confidence. It's like you draw upon that experience that you've had. Yeah. And you, you really start building your own, your own confidence that you can do about anything that you want to do. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and especially now as a coach, like helping tap into, so that actually, I was about to mm-hmm. make a statement with really is a question. So how did you sort of find that within yourself? I mean, I don't know if I'd have the confidence to sit in a room with a president and like help them do their interview. Yeah. So it, was that something you always had inside of you? Was it something mm. that you built over years? Yeah, I think it built up over years. Mm. And um, that particular organization, going back to the networking, um, if, I, if I remember correctly, you had to have like a minimum of six years already in mm. the service. So, so you already had some experience. And, you know, doing other things that challenged yourself. Um, for me, jumping out of airplanes, you know, going to airborne school, just the the different things that the military made you do yeah. that I would, I would say, okay, you raise your right hand. And then once you raise your right hand, the first time the volunteering can kind of be over. Yeah. <laughs> From, so you volunteer once and then everything else is going to be, okay, you're going to go do yeah. this. Right. And then you think about, oh, well, all the consequences of, if you try to refuse to do it, yeah. then those are bigger than, than just going and doing it. But yeah. I loved my time in the army and they really do set you up, build you up. Um, and the army, the army is full of um, mentors and coaches inside the organizations. Yeah. The leadership development is very formalized. So I go through it, then I go back to a unit and I'm working and I've had all this training and coaching. Mm-hmm. And then you come through it and you come work for me. Well, I've been through exactly the training that you've been through. So I know where you are in your yeah. career and I can help bring you up, bring you along. I mean, and it's just that cycle. Right. So the more senior people yeah. have been through um, exactly what you've been through, they know where you're at. They just bring you right along. So it's it was fascinating 
I don't know that I appreciated it as much while it was happening then as I do now looking back yeah. saying that's exactly yeah. what was happening. We had built in mentors and coaches, right? And, and yeah. everywhere we look, there's these people that could help bring you along. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, and like you said, sometimes when you're going through it, you don't realize and right. really appreciate it. Um, not that you're uh, disrespectful of it, but you're just, you don't understand like the real um, rich experience that you're getting because you're just kind of living it. So you mentioned career pathing a couple of times. Um, you know, when you're in the military, you retire, um, you know, probably earlier than others, like in corporate world, because your life has obviously been very different. So you kind of have this chance to have a whole second career if you want it. Yeah. How were you thinking about that as you got closer to quote unquote retirement age? <laughs> yeah. So I was, I think I was doing exactly what I try to um, help people with today that any of the people I work with that are still in the military, it's that you have to start preparing that journey a couple of years before you think you're going to transition into the corporate world. Mm -hmm. um, if for nothing else, and I knew I wanted to stay in HR. So, okay. so I literally started about 24 months prior to retirement. And I started doing all of the, the reading, the studying, making the connections between um, civilian HR and military HR. So that mm -hmm. I knew when I, at least at a minimum, I was, I could talk the language, you know, I knew exactly what, um, what we would be discussing and going through. Uh, and then, and then I think it was just making sure that I was clear in my leadership stories and abilities that I brought to the table um, yeah. and so forth. Yeah. It's almost like any career pivot, right? Like yeah. being able to bring your transferable skills, the experiences that you had and how that applies to the job that you're applying for. That's right. Yeah. And the soft, if the more you can talk about and have good, good, solid, storytelling around your soft skills because those are the things that are hard for the corporate world to replicate because there's just yes. unless you're in a unless you're in a fortune 500 company you know the budgets for professional development leadership development yeah. they're not always what you would think they should be yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, and or they don't have the internal training programs right. because they're just not the scale to like right. really build out that kind of machine. Right, exactly. So what kind of companies were you targeting? Were there industries you were interested in or how did you decide to, to make that switch and who to go with? Yeah. So initially, so I retired out of the White House in Washington, D.C. So I'm like, yep, I got to I have to use this opportunity because I'm here and there's just there are thousands of government contracting companies mm. um, in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I mean, there's so much between the Pentagon and the military installations that are there. There's just a lot of companies. Um, and, you're, and you're talking companies like under, you know, under 300 employees. There's, mm. there's a lot of, oh, wow. yeah, a lot of them. And um, I started the networking and the, doing the local networking things. And I, um, I met a government contracting company that was near home. Mm -hmm. And, and I actually, um, I used about the last three months before I retired and they let me do some part-time work with them. Oh, nice. basically to demonstrate my skills. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I took advantage of that. Right. And yeah. I worked a couple hours a day, like late afternoons, early evenings, mm -hmm. um, doing some work for them on the HR side of things. And then of course they hired me to be their VP, um, made me the offer. So as soon as I retired, yeah. I had, a, I had a job and it was with, wow. uh, with a government contractor. So it seemed like, a, at that point, it seemed like the right type of transition because I understand, mm -hmm. understood who their clients were, who they, you yeah. know, which made it, made it an easier transition for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and um, they also probably really respected, not that other companies don't, uh, they understood, let me say, yeah. that that what you were bringing based on your experiences. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. So as you thought about that, so you mentioned that you actually run your own firm now. How long did you stay with the quote unquote corporate uh, entity before starting out on your own? Yeah. So the, the, the thing is I, I've changed jobs a couple times before starting my mm-hmm. own company. Um, and I got into one of the fascinating, I got into healthcare. So mm-hmm. I left back, um, yeah, it was 2017. I left, um, I left the government contracting world mm-hmm. and had an opportunity with whom, with the individual that gave me that phone call that recruited me to that special unit. He had long been out and he was a CFO in a healthcare company and he needed a new HR person and they were growing really, really fast. Um, They were backed by private equity and they're doing all these acquisitions across multiple states. So he needed somebody who could lead and execute. Mm -hmm. Um, So I interviewed and got that role and that was the, that was just fantastic. Um, I felt like I was right in, right in my, um, my lane, yeah. if you will. Yep. Yeah. And then it was um, COVID mm. went out on my own with a grad school classmate. And um, I would say last year during most of 2020, wow. we were just doing whatever we could do, almost like freelance consulting type of stuff yeah. to, to just make money yeah. to, yeah. to, to, yeah, to, to earn a living. Yeah. And, but at the same time, strategizing about, okay, this will end at some point. Mm-hmm what, you know, putting the strategy together with what we do next. And that's when we opened, opened our leadership development Academy on January 1st of this year, um, which is what we've focused on today. Yeah. That's amazing. And do you, I, I think you mentioned earlier that you focus on, uh, military veterans or is it anyone that can go through the program? No, anyone could, it would apply to anyone, but the real, the real focus um, is on a, is for human resources professionals okay. in the corporate world. Okay. Yeah. Because we, um, oh, we came across these studies. We, we did more and more and more research <laughs> where, uh, HR professionals around the globe, there's only about 25% of them where CEOs and C-suite executives feel that they can actually solve for today's problems, mm, Yeah. people related issues, business issues, the other 75% are just viewed as administrators. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. man, that is a real issue. We need to solve yeah. for that. Um, so that's, so in all of the training that we do, we do live webinars, we do, we have our e-learning platform workshops. We can, we will cover a myriad of topics, mm-hmm. but we're always making sure that like if we were teaching Karen, right. If, and maybe Karen's in a business and she's the only HR person mm-hmm. in the business, how are you going to take this back to your company and not just do the work, but how are you going to lead others in yeah. this work, you know, and get your champions and other hiring managers and department managers and, you know, bring people around uh, some new program or whatever that you're doing. How are you going to lead those efforts? What's the impact to the bottom line yeah. on the business? Do you know how to talk that lingo, right? Do you understand how the business operates? So um, that's what we're doing. That's, that's we're trying to educate as many people as possible. Well, and I think it's such an important group, not because selfishly I'm in that group, but because <laughs> um, it, we often don't take care of ourselves. Um, I recently mm-hmm. led a workshop with a fellow HR person around, actually two different workshops around 
focusing H on HR career development because we are so focused mm. on everyone else's learning and everyone else's yeah. career path that we forget that yeah. we have our own career path. And, and moments like this where we become leaders, we're not just going mm -hmm. up the quote unquote ranks of HR, but we're becoming part of a leadership team of a business. And how can we sit right. around that table with a head of product, with a head of finance, with a head of this, a head of that, and be ahead of just like everyone else. And we never, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to say that. We rarely do that for ourselves and invest in ourselves. Like we encourage others to invest in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I think it, and that's fantastic. That's great. You have to do it. I encourage as many people as possible. You have to take ownership of your own career path, yes. right? And go out there and find those learning opportunities because it'll really make a difference. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love the example of even being able to work with the accounting team, yeah. right? Do you know, you know, why is it important from the accounting team's perspective, not your perspective, mm -hmm. their perspective that, you know, payroll integrates with their account, whatever accounting system they're, they're using, yeah. right? And does the general ledger integrate? Is it really getting the payroll transactions so that they don't have to download spreadsheets and type into the general ledger? I mean, from an H do you understand that from the HR perspective? And do you know how the general ledger works? Yeah, yeah you have to do the work, yeah. right? Yep. But can you have the conversation yes. so that when you are then going out to find the next greatest HRIS system for your company yep. and with payroll, that you want, there's things that you should be checking yeah. for. It's, it's just, I love those conversations. Yep. And then you kind of see that sometimes the deer in the headlights look. <laughs> It's like, oh, I have a lot to learn. It's like, oh, take advantage yeah. of the learning that you have access to. Well, and it's so funny that that's the example you use because I remember a couple of jobs ago at a company called Yodel, we implemented Workday and we were doing, mm -hmm. you know, payroll and bonuses and comp structures and, and all of the things. And we were working with the accounting department on the GL codes and everything. And, and it blew yeah. my mind open because I, I, I knew accounting cared about general ledger. I mean, like, obviously I knew right. that, but I hadn't sort of tied it all together and how important it was that the system was correct because it was tying 1500 people to different budgets in, you know, thinking yeah. all of that and how bonuses were different. And it was just like, whoa, like this wave right. of information. And to your point, I didn't have to literally understand every code, but I had to understand why it was important. I needed to be able to right. understand how they all tied together. And so it's funny that you use that exact exact example because I literally yeah. looked through that, but it's true. It's yeah. it only makes you a better leader when you understand what's important to other people in the business. Right. So take that to the step. I don't know if you follow any Facebook groups or not, but I'm in a couple of different HR discussion groups, and and you know sometimes it pains me because it's not it's not enough to just ask somebody else out of out of thin air what payroll company to use. That's really not enough. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of payroll companies, right? You really need to understand what what do you need it to do for your company, right? Yeah. Based on the size of your company, where you're at, what do you need to get out of the system? And before you could even say, yes, I need ADP, I need paychecks, I need paycom, whatever it yeah. is, right? Yep. Same with selecting Workday. You have to understand, is Workday going to do yeah. what we need it to do based on all requirements? And then you're asking the right questions to Workday and any other software that you're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and I know the, the um, center is still relatively new, but have you seen anything change even in the time you've been working on it because of COVID and everything else that all us poor HR people are trying to figure out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, th I think, you know, it's unfortunate that it, it, you know, COVID lasted so long. Mm -hmm. I think, you, you know, one thing that does impact us is a lot of people are on Zoom fatigue. Yeah. That is like the new latest, greatest buzzword, yeah. you know, Zoom fatigue. But yet, 
but yet you're still delivering your training virtually mm. um, for the most part. Yeah. It's what people want. Some are having those conversations or back to getting training done in person. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just slow rolling back to the coming back to fruition, if yeah. you will. Um, so it's working past the, you get, you got to make sure you have a plan to work past the zoom fatigue, yeah. right? So, so give them things to work on outside of the, outside of zoom, um, workbooks, mm-hmm. you know, different homework assignments, yeah. if you will. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's so interesting. Cause I, hear that like within my own company and how we're thinking about culture and everything is, you know, how do we help people stay connected, but that's still zoom right now. So what offline things we can do, even if it's not, you know, obviously getting in person yet, but even just, you know, creating a cookbook of everybody's favorite recipes or something that helps them feel connected. Um, really the final thing I'd love to ask you is you've shared some advice along the way, obviously about networking and when you need to be purposeful and when just to say yes to things. Um, but as you look back over your career, is there anything in particular you wish you knew or you want like one piece of information to really stick with someone today as they listen to your story? Yeah, there is. And, and I don't say this and for anybody, any of your listeners listening, because I'm a coach today and that's what I'm doing full time. And, and coaching is really all about giving back all for me. It's, it's giving back all of your experience to help bring others up, bringing them up quicker. I wish, even though I said earlier, you know, having the built in mentors and stuff like that, I didn't appreciate it then. Yeah. I wish I had learned about people who did coaching Mm. earlier in my professional life, Mm -hmm. right? That person that's dedicated to you when your time, and if you hire not, because I've had, I myself have had several coaches over the last um, four years for different purposes, Mm -hmm. somebody who's um, further along than I am. And Mm -hmm. I aspire to be where they're at type of thing. Um, they are just invaluable when you find the right coach and getting you, especially if you're, if you're in it, in it to win it, if you will, like if you're, if you're engaged and committed to that process, um, where a coach can take you versus you getting there on your own, Mm -hmm. it's the, you know, when they say, what's the ROI, well, where it might take me 10 years to get there, a coach can help get you there in three. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about career path and everything else. If you, if you aspire to be, whatever you want to be a VP of HR or a chief human resource officer. Yeah, that could, you could get there. If you take the right, do the right education, get the right jobs, uh, figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. And you know, you might get there with your 15, 20 year mark in your career. But if you wanted to be that, that person that got there by age 30 yeah. and you had a coach when you were age 22, you probably could get there by the time yeah. you're age 30. Cause they'll just, what they'll, what they'll give to you is, it's that it's the 10x, yeah. right? If you were talking business, what does the coach give you? They should give you a 10x ROI yeah. on your investment. Yep. No, wholeheartedly. I wish I had known that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's true. And, and again, you know, uh, it's funny. Someone else uh, in another episode uh, also said the word coach and they said the same thing. It's like, it's not because like there are coaches on this program. Um, but I do think that having that objective partner that can really lift you up and um, accelerate your growth just because you're not trying to do it by yourself. It's if you were running a marathon, you would get a trainer. If you were trying to, you know, have a better batting average, you'd get a hitting coach. Like it's the same concept. Um, and for some reason, people are still are learning about it, you know, on a professional side. And again, poor HR folks, like you tell people to get coaches, get a coach. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. I, I get a coach, you know, there, there are people like yes. me out there for you. What do CEOs do? 
Uh, you know, you talk to CEOs, if they don't yeah. have one today, they've probably had one, yeah. an executive coach, right? There's somebody that can help them. They have that one yeah. person that's not in the company, that's not a board member that they yeah. can just offload on. And that person can call them out on things that can, you know, help yes. them further their company or further their yeah. own abilities in their role. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Well, thank you again for sharing your journey, your story, um, your amazing service to this country, and now finding the opportunity to support others in their own career. Um, we'll have all of your information in the bio, in your bio, in the uh, notes, but is there one specific way that people can reach out to you? And that's the best way to get in touch with you. Yeah. You go to the website, robertbravo.com. I mean, my real name's Robert. So robertbravo.com. Um, even if you go to hailmediagroup.com, it'll take you there as well. Um, and all of our stuff is there. You can get to our, our e-learning platform, our webinars, our events, um, and so forth. Yeah, meet the team. It's all there. Okay, excellent. Well, like I said, we'll include all of it, but I always like to give a verbal shout out as well for people who are listening. It. Excellent. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Karen. Thank you so much for listening to the Shine at Work podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Leaving a review just takes a few minutes and truly helps other people find the podcast. If you want to learn more about how I work with people to help them transform their careers and shine brightly in their lives, please visit karendweeks.com and follow us on Instagram at kdwcoaching underscore careers or join our Facebook group with the same name. And thank you as always to Astronaut Go Home for our music. Until next time, remember that you can and deserve to shine at work.